audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. But let's just begin with verse 10, and it says this. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, I'm going to repeat this again, because it's not that often that we see Blessing paired with persecution, unless we're reading Bible, okay? So I'm going to read this again. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think what we're going to see as we wrap up these Beatitudes is this. Sometimes there are ramifications for being different, for being different, um, You know I am. I've already mentioned it today. I'm a KU football fan, okay? I am, unabashedly. I've been a KU football fan for a long, long time. That is different, okay? Because they're no good. Now, they're getting better. They are getting much, much better. But my goodness, there were some years I was happy if they won twice. Happy! Like, oh, it's a good year. We got two wins, all right? And I'm telling you, if that's who you're going to cheer for, if that's who you're going to cheer for, put it this way. I know people don't believe me when I say this, but I would trade the basketball program at KU and football program standing in a heartbeat. I could care less about basketball if they could be that good in football. I mean, that's awesome because football is so much fun. It's so much fun, all right? This is the thing. When you're a KU football fan, you are different and you get made fun of a lot. You do. I've been made fun of this morning a lot, a lot. And it's okay. It's okay. It's not, it's not a big deal. Here's the thing, though. There are some ramifications that come with being different that are a lot more extreme. The first seven Beatitudes make something very, very clear. As we've talked about these past few weeks, there are eight of these, all right? Eight of them. And the first seven make something very clear. It means this. Being a follower of Jesus in this world will ensure that you are different. And this is just the introduction to the sermon. You look, you look at Jesus, his, his sermon on the mount, just tell me if this matches up with what takes place in the world, all right? First of all, love your enemies. Love them. Pray for those who persecute you. Do not commit adultery. In your heart, in your mind, Do not cut down people with your words. Do not chase the dollar. How about this one? Do not worry. How good we live in that one now. Do not condemn others. And then Jesus wraps it all up as we get to the end of, I mean, it's so funny. We remember the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. We remember bits and pieces of the middle, but we all remember the end, don't we? When Jesus brings the sum total of up in his conclusion here, and this is what he says, the wise man built his house upon the what? The rock. Yeah, that's the end of the sermon. Jesus says, build your life on me, build your life on my words. And I will tell you something, if we do this, we will be different. Attempting to live out Jesus' words in this sermon, not to mention the rest of this book and the rest of the New Testament, This will have its effect not only in our life, but in the way others view our lives. 
the way others view your life. Do you, you, I, I hope we understand something. The world that we live in can feel judged without the Father of Jesus ever saying a word. Because the follower of Jesus lives different. And as much as the world likes to brag about accepting all those who are different, in reality, different has never really been received well by most, by much of the world. Okay, on that note, let's, let's read this last of the Beatitudes again. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to tell you what the beatitude does not say. And if your Bible says something along these lines, chuck it in the trash on your way out, okay? And don't worry, because I don't think any of them are going to do this. But if it does, okay, get a new Bible, all right? It does not say, blessed are you when you're persecuted for the sake of being an abrasive fool, okay? If any of your Bibles say that, We've got an issue, I'll get you a new Bible, I'll pay for it, all right? Get rid of that thing, okay? No, it says this, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for living right. Remember, we we talked about that way back when we were talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, how much we desire to make the correct choices in this life, how much we hunger for righteousness. Okay, now let's continue on. Verse 11, as I said, don't look at verse 11 and say, wait a second, preacher, there's nine Beatitudes. No, verse 11 just gives us a little more detail about verse 10, about the eighth Beatitude. Let's look at it. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. All right, now if you're a fan of English grammar, hallelujah. Okay, Bill Ellis was in the last service, okay, so um, he's the old English teacher, so I, I don't mean he's old, I just mean he's retired. He's a retired English teacher, okay, all right. Now, now if, you, if you're an English teacher, though, or you know a little bit about English, you will see that when you go from verse 10 to verse 11, there's a little bit of a change here, okay? Verse, verse 10 is a third person thing, blessed are those. Blessed are you. You see a difference? You get into verse 11, it goes from third person to second person. And I see you in there more than once. Look at that again. I'm going I'm to emphasize it here just a little bit. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. It's like Jesus is making this really personal. He's taking it to the people and he's saying, blessed are you when this takes place. And then guess what? When he, before he wraps up this verse on another English lesson here, he goes from second person to what? First person, exactly. When he says, blessed are you when you do this for me. Let's look at it one more time. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. There's something we need to understand about living for Jesus in this world. Taking a stand for Jesus is what makes us vulnerable. And if we are willing to take that stand, we become, by the very nature of taking that stand for Jesus, vulnerable in this world. Vulnerable to what, preacher? This is what is kind of interesting about this. Let's look a little bit closer at these words, ones that are used. 
We're going to look at Matthew, and then I'll just bring up the ones used in Luke for a second. Um, because what I see, I, I don't see like, because when we think of persecution, our minds often go to, to places in the world where people are physically persecuted. But I don't, I see something a little more than physical persecution here. When I look at verse 11, I say, blessed are you when you're insulted because of me. Blessed are you when people hate you so much that they make false accusations against you. You know why? It's this, because if you're living for Jesus, you, you have just been put under a magnifier. Microscope. People are going to watch you. You know why? Because they're just waiting for you to mess up. They can say, oh, those Christians. Yeah, hypocrites. And guess what? Some of them, if you don't mess up, they'll begin to make up mess ups in their own mind and say them about you. Slander. I don't see anything here about physical persecution. I see insult. I see false accusations. You know what Luke says? Luke brings a little more into this when he's talking about Jesus' sermon on the plane. He says when they ostracize you, when they leave you out of everything, when they hate you, when they scorn your name. Often when I think of persecution that people are experiencing for the name of Jesus Christ, my mind, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my mind goes to people outside this world where people, where they don't have religious freedom, where they don't have those sorts of things. And people, when they take a stand for Jesus, they, they can lose everything, their homes, their families, lose it all. But there's a lot to be lost in this culture as well. Insults, slander, hate. And brothers and sisters, there's something we need to understand. Now, if, if, if you have not gotten so tired of it that you just pull back from it and you don't like to watch it anymore, if you do watch the news, you do watch some of the stuff going on, brothers and sisters, there's a storm cloud coming, and I'm not talking about the rain, which we're hoping that one's coming, all right? There's another one. Truth is being attacked in our society more and more aggressively. It is. That is just the nature of it. This is nothing new. It's been going on for centuries, millenniums even, Okay? But it is new to us in this young nation of ours. Jesus' words also make it very clear how we should respond to hate, how we should respond to slander, how we should respond in general to persecution. So verse 12 follows along with this as well. Let's take a look at it. This is what Jesus says. When you are persecuted, rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know what? When you look over to, to Luke, when he adds this to what the response, what the response to persecution is. He says, leap for joy. <laughs> Do you understand what he's getting at here? It's like, it's like your husband, your wife comes home from work and says, yeah, boy, I got it today. I mean, because it happens sometimes at work, you know, the, the, because the, there are sometimes people know you're a follower of Jesus, you'll have a target on you at times. Like say, boy, it was a little bit of a rough one today. My supervisor doesn't like Christians too much, and boy, they kind of came after me today, you know, and you come in and let's leap for joy. Woo. But that's exactly what is said. Remember, Luke puts this down, but he's quoting who? Jesus. And I'm asking, how does this make sense? I mean, are we masochists? Do we love pain? I mean, obviously, I'm a KU football fan, so I do love pain, all right? But 
That's a whole different story. No, 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 no. We're, we're, not, we're not a building full of masochists here. But here's the thing. We are told very, very clearly, this is in the blessed part of the Bible. This is the Beatitudes. Blessed are those. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are those who have been persecuted. Here's a question. These blessings look a little different. Living for Jesus is different. And the persecution is different. The blessing is different. So here we go. I've got a question for you. What are the blessings that come from persecution? If, if the Bible says that blessed are those who are persecuted, then there must, be some, there must be some specific blessings that they're talking about here. Number one, Jesus touches on it right here. Future reward. Future reward. There's a time coming when persecution will be nothing but a distant memory. And Jesus is not the only one that speaks to this. Why don't you turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. I didn't mark it so we can all kind of get there together, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me set this up for you just a little bit. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing this. There's a church in the city, the ancient city of Corinth. Paul planted a church there, and the church was somewhat of a young church, but they were young in more ways than one. They weren't just like growing up in Jesus like they should have. Therefore, we have 1 and 2 Corinthians, which is only two of four different times that Paul wrote the church in Corinth. We've got two of them, okay? And what you find there is the church just needs to kind of grow up in some ways. I mean, they do. And Paul loves them. He's frustrated with them. Especially when you get into 2 Corinthians, though, he begins talking about what it is like because the people in Corinth, believe it or not, it wasn't easy to live for Jesus. Okay? And Paul brings up some things here. We're going to look specifically at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. And this is what Paul says. He says, for momentary light affliction. Okay, before we move any further, I need to set this up for you just for a second. Paul calls... This momentary light affliction. I'm not sure all of us would use the same descriptive words. If you look a little bit earlier in that same chapter, you talk about being crushed, being pressed, being persecuted. Now, a few chapters later, in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about up to this point in time what he's endured as an apostle of Jesus Christ, shipwrecked three times, robbed, mugged, yeah, mugging happened long before New York City. Okay, all right. Beaten with rods, whipped, flogged, stoned. You know, momentary light afflictions. <laughs> for momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look at the things which are seen, not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are only temporary, they're temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So look back at that verse 17 again. This momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul and Jesus both make it very, very clear. The day is coming when the persecution will stop. And understand something about that future reward. Jesus knows when his people suffer. There's a guy, actually, my brother is named after him, Stephen. You can find his story in Acts chapter 7. 
What you see is the very, very first guy to lose his life because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And shortly before he breathed his last, Stephen looks up into heaven and in a vision the heavens open before him. And who does he see? Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. Here's the interesting thing. You know what the Bible makes really, really clear? After Jesus gets his job done and he goes to glory to be glorified, you know where he, you know where he goes? He goes to the right hand of God. Exactly, but what's he doing? He's seated at the right hand of God. And yet, when Stephen, the very, very first martyr for Jesus Christ, breathes his last, Jesus is on his feet watching and waiting. And not only that, one of those guys sitting there, watch this take place. Matter of fact, watching the coats of the guys who were doing the stoning, his name was Saul. And it wasn't that long later, Saul is on his way to Damascus to persecute some more people. And on his way, guess who he meets? Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? Is that what he says? Uh-uh. Because why are you persecuting me? You see, our Lord and Savior takes it very, very seriously when his people in this world suffer. And let me tell you something. There will be reward for it one day. So what is the first blessing of persecution in this world for Jesus Christ? It's future reward. But that's not the only blessing. Because some of the blessings are living right here in this world. Turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, specifically 1 Peter chapter 1. So we go, from, we go from the words of the Apostle Paul to the words of the Apostle Peter. Now Peter is writing a different group here, all right? And the group that he is writing, they are also early first century Christians. Here's the deal with them. Peter knew that it was about to get very difficult for them. They had already suffered on some level, but there was a persecution coming. It's about to ramp up. Right? And he's trying to encourage them and trying to prepare them for what he knows is coming. And you know what we find out? Blessing number two from persecution. What doesn't kill us does what? Makes us stronger. Yeah, if you might not be able to find those words in the Bible, but it is very biblical. All right? It is very, very biblical. So let's see what Peter has to say to these people who persecution is coming to them. And this is what he says. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. He says, In this greatly rejoice, even now for a little while, momentary little while. I'll tell you what, these guys. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, persecutions, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's talking about future, but what else is it talking about? Talking about this. Suffering for Jesus makes us stronger. It makes us more capable as followers of Jesus Christ. Blessing number two. Blessing number three. Being persecuted for the name of Jesus Shows us that our faith is real. All right, okay, we're looking at the words of Peter here. Well, let's turn back a little bit farther in our Bibles and look at the example of Peter. You can find it in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. As you're turning there, I'll set this up for you just a little bit. The church is brand spanking new at this point. It hasn't been that long since Jesus ascended into heaven. He was glorified there. The day of Pentecost would come. 
and his apostles were gathered in Jerusalem, just kind of keeping to themselves. It's what they were told to do. So they're just kind of being quiet, keeping to themselves. The Holy Spirit comes down upon them. The first gospel sermon ever is preached, meaning gospel is what? Jesus came, he, was, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again, and people saw him, all right? That's gospel, and that's the power that changed the world and will save people. So the very first gospel sermon is preached. People respond to that message, and in that day, 3,000 people are baptized into Christ. Okay, the church is off and running just like that. Now, there's some people who don't like that too much. The height of not liking it was the Sanhedrin. They are kind of the Jewish Supreme Court. They're the ones that are responsible. Now, all of us are responsible for the death of Jesus, but they were the ones who basically got Pilate to put him on the cross. They're still around. And they thought Jesus was over and gone. This is done, and it is not done. So they bring in Peter and John, and they say, don't preach anymore about Jesus. And that's Acts chapter 4. You know what Peter and John say? They say, okay, here you go. We, we, we appreciate your authority, appreciate what you're saying. We'll listen to you most of the time. But here's the deal. If what you're telling us to do as opposed to what God is telling us to do, who are we going to listen to? God. It comes to that in our nation, people. If the government starts telling us not to do what God tells us to do, we listen to God first. So that's what, that's what Peter and John say to the Sanhedrin. Hey, we can't stop preaching about Jesus. We're not going to stop about preaching about Jesus. So they threaten them and let him go. And guess what? The next day, they're preaching about Jesus. So they bring him in again, tell him the same thing again. Only this time, they flog them. Now this is the type of suffering somewhat similar to what Jesus went through before the cross. The Romans did it time without number. Now the Jews, when they, when they did this punishment, it was limited to 40 times that they would do this. So they even took it down one to 39. So they didn't accidentally go over, okay? You, 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 we've talked about this before. Many times we talk about it about Easter time, how the weapon of choice, the, the disciplinary item of choice, all right, is something called the cat of nine tails. It's one whip that's basically made up of nine whips. And in the strands of these nine whips that are all woven together into one, you've got bone, you've got metal, you've got all kinds of things, anything sharp embedded in there. And they basically, a skilled individual will wrap that around the torso of the one being flogged, wrap around them, all right? And then they rip it off of them. 39 times. That's what happens to Peter and John. And look what their response is. Acts 5 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. You know why they were rejoicing? It's not because they were masochists. They weren't. They didn't like being whipped like that. But guess what? It showed that their faith in Jesus Christ was real. And they were considered worthy to suffer for him. Tell you what. Yes, these blessings might look a little bit different. The blessings that come from persecution. And these blessings must lead us to address for just a moment the gigantic elephant in the room. Okay, brothers and sisters? And this is a tough question. The question we need to ask is this, am I blessed according to this last beatitude? Does this describe 
me. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. You see, the reason that the Beatitudes end in this way is because the persecution is the culmination of living out the first seven Beatitudes. Those who live that out in this world, what's going to happen to them? They're going to suffer. question is this, is my life a demonstration of God's work? Am I being persecuted for the sake of righteousness? What do people say about you and me? I'm not talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about people in general. What do they say about us? What does the world say about us? What do all people say about us? I'm going to take you for just a second over to Luke chapter 6. As I told you, Jesus preached another sermon called the Sermon on the Plain. And in that sermon, we kind of have a little bit different rendition of the Beatitudes, the blessings, because following the, the blesseds, all right, are the woes. The woes. And let me tell you something. You want to be a part of the blessing list, not the woe list, right? So look specifically at Luke six twenty six. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. What are you saying here, preacher? I need to just go rile people up? No, I didn't see anything about blessed are, are those who are persecuted for the sake of being an abrasive fool. <laughs> Remember? Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Here's the question. Do we really want to follow Jesus? Because if we really want to follow Jesus, it means we're going to look different. There's no way around that. If we really want to follow Jesus, then there is something that is inevitable. We will suffer. 